listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. It's the Fret Files podcast. Welcome to the show. It's a show about you know this is our this is a very special episode. We're doing our our bass guitar episode. What? Yeah, a very special bass guitar only episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just about normal guitars. It's, it's uh, just just the normal show. You know, about five dudes got really excited just then. Like, whoa, the bass episode, sweet. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing a bass episode. I uh, thought for a second you just had you just were surprising me. You just weren't telling me what was going on. Surprise. Yeah. Uh again, it's not the bass episode, it's just a regular old Fret Files podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I am your personal guitar wizard guy scientist dude. Twenty five years of experience building and repairing guitars sitting beside me, as always, is of course my lovely wife and co-host melissa greetings i will read the listener submitted questions and eric will try to answer them the best he can mm-hmm. drawing on his experience as a professional luthier it's true uh i don't know what to tell you other than we just got back from camping and uh a little bit sundazed yeah yeah <laughs> we're trying to bring the energy yeah but uh we are we are tired oh come on Everything's good. Yeah. Got a lot of good questions. Got a bunch of calls. We're going to do some interesting things, but we got a lot to do, so let's let's just do it. What do you say? Let's do it. Hey, Eric and Melissa. This is Scott from Florida. Love the podcast. Listen to every episode. Uh, you guys are great. My question is this. Got a guitar uh, with a stripped truss rod nut. It's a heritage uh, Gibson-style guitar with a brass nut on the end of the truss rod. And that thing is stripped out. Uh, it's pretty much rounded off. There's no way to get a uh, anything on it uh, like a regular truss rod wrench. So what do you think? Uh, what's the best way to take that nut off uh, to replace it? Uh, thanks a lot. Like I said, it's a great podcast. Keep it coming. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Uh, that's a tough order there. That's Those are hard to do. Um I mean, it can be done. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know. It, but if they're totally rounded off, did he say that's a Gibson? Or I, I think he said it was a Heritage, which is, uh, you know, similar. <laughs> uh, but that should have a five sixteenths brass adjustment nut, and he says it's completely rounded off. Um, what I would do 
<clears throat> you know, you might be able to, uh, you might be able to take the next size down because brass is pretty soft. You might be able to take the next size down socket, like a nine thirty seconds, and tap it onto what's left of the of the brass nut there. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to get it started that way. I would oil the threads first with some, you know, good penetrating oil to make it, you know, come off easier. Mm-hmm. You could heat it up. You could you put a soldering iron to the uh, to the end of the rod there or the nut itself, and and heating it up will really that'll make it come off easier as well. So you could try that. Um, extreme problems call for extreme measures, and uh, one way to get that off of there, if you have to do this, um, you have to do it with a uh, <clears throat> like a a hollow rod or a you can use a socket but you can take loctite bearing mount it's basically like a it's basically like just a little gel that you put on there uh-huh. and it will pretty much weld two metal parts together once it dries wow yeah it's loctite 680 it's nothing to mess around with it's pretty severe but it will release with heat, so if if you get in trouble, you can use your soldering iron and heat it up, and it'll release, right? So, but if you're going to do this, I would put wax on the threads of the truss rod itself, so that you don't get any on the threads. Uh huh. And then you can use a socket or something like that. You don't want to use a regular fixed truss rod wrench that is like a elbow. Uh-huh. Because if you weld that on there, you're only going to be able to turn it a half a turn, and then and it's going to hit stuck. the headstock, and it's stuck on the nut, right? Right. So you want something like a long tube or a socket with a removable handle, uh-huh. so you can twist it out. But you can you can take Loctite 680 bearing mount and basically weld a socket onto that brass nut with that stuff, and then. And then uh, once it sets, it has like a like a thousand pounds of wow, of, yeah, of sheer force, you know. So I didn't know that. Yeah, it's serious goo. It's real serious goo, but that can be done. Uh, it's really unusual to have to go to that extreme. Usually, I can get them out. I can grab them with something. Mm-hmm. I can heat them up, oil them, loosen them up, and I can get a socket or something on there, even though they're rounded off, I can usually get them out without having to go to the extreme. But that's the extreme. That's the next level. But be careful. Be real careful. I don't want a follow-up saying you ruined your guitar. Yeah, geez. (laughs) Thanks for the call. Hey, guys. This is Mike in Chicago. Love the podcast. Love what you guys are doing. Um, Just kind of wanted to chime in on two things from the last episode that are sort of connected in my world. Um, one, uh, lace Illumitone pickups came up, and um, I have a guitar that I tried a pair of the humbucker size ones in. And, uh, yeah, Eric, they sound a little bit different than regular pickups, of course, and they look different. Um, but in that guitar, in the band that I use that guitar in, those pickups work really well. And so, I don't know, I'm just, I guess, kind of voting for maybe considering those. Cool. Those are kind of cool, I think. You bet. Um, and uh, the other thing is you had that call, I think, from Micah about um, 
thinning out a neck pickup sound by using a capacitor sort of in the opposite way that, it's get, that it gets used in a tone control, yeah. using it to kind of thin out the sound of the neck pickup. And um, in that same guitar that I have the lace Lumitones in, I have that set up where I can engage the neck pickup um, in like a coil tap kind of mode and to sort of further accentuate the single coil-esque sound of that mode, I have to pick the pickup running straight through a .022 capacitor just to kind of thin it out a little bit. And, um, and of course, you're right. It's not active. It can't add treble, but the reduction of bass can give the illusion of there being more treble. And so for me, it works great. Like from that humbucker size pickup, I can get a, you know, a pretty convincing strat neck pickup kind of tone, um, in the cover band situation that I'm using that guitar in. So, um, so yeah, so I just kind of wanted to throw that in there, maybe get your two cents. And, um, yeah, again, thanks for the great podcast. See you guys later. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Um, so there you go. That's a vote for Illumitones, and uh, he's already doing this trick where he's running things through a capacitor by throwing a switch to cut the, bra- the bass frequencies to make that neck pickup sound a little bit brighter. So there you go. Throwback to last episode. Uh, <clears throat> I wonder if Micah tried that. Micah, if you tried that, let us know how it worked out, huh? I'd be really curious. I'd be really curious to hear what you thought. Hey, Eric and Melissa, this is uh, Sean from Allentown. It's been a while since I've called in, but I'm sure, as you know, life's been a little crazy. But anyway, uh, something came up on the last episode that I thought was interesting, and I'd kind of like to get some more thoughts on it. Um, A listener very briefly mentioned uh, putting threaded inserts into a bolt-on neck, and I think, you know, in their concern, it was uh, in the interest of maintaining the integrity of the joint, uh, over time, and I've I've heard this suggestion before, and it's something that honestly intrigues me. Um, as someone who went to engineering school, the benefits of it kind of make sense. Uh, you have uh, metal on metal joint instead of using a wood screw, and if you use something with finer threads, like say a machine screw, you have you know like more contact surface, better clamping force, and you'd be able to hold the neck far more securely in the pocket, at least in theory. Um, I know one drawback might be that, you know, in actually installing the threaded inserts, you'd have to be a bit more precise. Um, but I'm I'm more interested in kind of like, what is your general opinion of putting threaded inserts into a neck joint like that? Um, I'm not, because th- there, there just seems to be multiple benefits. Like along with what I already mentioned, it's like if you travel and you want to take your guitar apart so you can fit it in a smaller bag, uh, it would make sure that you have the joint back together right every time. Um, and, you know, like the listener mentioned, it would preserve the integrity of the joint. So it, whenever you're taking the bolts in and out of a wooden one, you're not chewing up the wood all the time. Um, but I'm more interested in, like, are, are there any other, like, real practical drawbacks to it? You know, I'm I'm not looking for... Uh, you know, like a, a guitar forum answer like, oh, well, it uh, interferes with the transference of the vibration from the tone wood in the body to the neck. It will mess up with your resonance and your sustain. I'm not looking for that. I'm just looking for something practical in like the actual installation and like the long-term use of something like this. Because I always figured, you know, the first time I heard this, I thought if I ever started building my own guitars, which is something I would like to do, uh, it might be an interesting feature to um, include. 
So I just wanted to know, you know, like un- unpack that idea of threaded inserts in the neck a little more. So uh, if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. I'd welcome your insight, your thoughts. So uh, thanks again for continuing to do this. It's a bright spot in all these uncertain times. And uh, look forward to your answer. Thanks. Bye. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Was there more than one question in there? It was just the threaded inserts, right? Yeah, I think so. I tell you. Um, yeah, I remember a caller or somebody mentioning that really briefly last episode, and I didn't really talk about it. And I, I thought I'd talk, I thought that I'd spoken about this before, but maybe not. Well, and th- we've done enough episodes. Yeah. That- <clears throat> uh, I, I love the idea. And I, that's, um, something that I've done to my personal guitar. Uh, my main, Telecaster style that I that I play all the time uh, has threaded inserts in it. So there's inserts in the neck, and then machine screws replace the wood screws. The machine screws screw into the inserts. Uh, I think that it's a great idea for a guitar where you take the neck off a lot. Uh, and the main reason that I did that is um, when I was traveling with it, uh, you know, 15 years ago. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to put it in a smaller bag. Right. But I also liked the, like the caller said, I liked the benefits of it. It just seemed like uh, a, a good way to get a nice tight um, neck joint every time you screw it up tight without fatiguing the wood at all. Yeah. And uh, it enabled me to just pop the neck off and put it in, like in a suitcase, the whole guitar. Yeah. I had to go to Memphis with, I had a gig in Memphis. When? A long time ago. Yeah. Before we met. And uh, I didn't want to take a guitar case on the plane, so. Yeah, so I've got that done on my own personal guitar. And really there are no drawbacks except for if we're talking about a vintage instrument or something that has some kind of value to it. It is a modification. So, you know, for better or worse, it does hurt the value. If we're doing this to, like, a 50s Fender or a 60s Fender that's worth money, it would be viewed by a collector as a modification, and that would absolutely hurt the value. Um, It's really not necessary on a guitar that, you know, just because of what I do, I mean, being... A luthier, right? Right. I I take the neck off of that guitar more than you, probably your average player does. Right. So if you almost if you almost never take your neck off, then why? Especially if you've got a fender where the truss rod adjustment is up at the headstock. Uh huh. I just don't see any reason really to do it. But if you've got a heel adjust and you take the neck off and on a lot, yeah, it's a great idea. The uh, the threaded inserts. So there you have it. I don't remember the brand I used. I mean, it was so long ago. It's just wherever I got them. I looked real quickly online, and there's a dozen different places to get them. You know, everybody's from eBay to Amazon. Everybody has some. So, um, And, you know, I, I used the stainless steel ones. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the best option, stainless steel. Cool. Yeah, if anybody's going to do this. there's there, The other drawback is... There's really no going back. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah, once it's done, it's done. So don't 
screw this up. If, <laughs> if you're going to do this to your own personal guitar, maybe have a pro do it or if, you know, if you, yeah, really give, put some good thought into this if you're going to do this to your own guitar. Do we have some uh, questions to read? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't even have the uh, sting ready. Uh-oh. Should I sing it? Yeah. Letters. Uh, we get no, letters. It's terrible. Thanks. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. An idea for the caller with the muddy neck pickups. You can get a bit more treble with higher value pods, as this changes the response of the pickups. Depending on the guitar, this may be an option. Also remember that the capacitance of your cables count, so if he's using a really long cable or a really crappy one, there can be tone loss there as well. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Wait, that got all messed. <laughs> I think that was supposed to come at the beginning. Uh, anyway, hope all is well out west. I have been listening, but I haven't set a question in for a while. And after moving to the East Coast, I figured now is the time. That's from Justin. Right on. Yeah, um, you can change the pots, absolutely. Higher value pots, he's absolutely right. It it will change um, the response of the pickups. The problem is it, it affects both of them. And mm -hmm. so you're going to end up with a brighter neck pickup and a brighter bridge pickup and a lot of people <clears throat> you know everything's relative right yeah and a lot of people they'll um they'll adjust the uh amp to one pickup or the other and then everything's relative so uh that was a you know that's that's something else that i should mention i was always a neck pickup guy you know 20 years ago and then uh, somebody smarter than I am told me, hey, man, set your uh, amp to your to your bridge pickup. Because what I was doing is I was using my neck pickup all the time on a Strat mm -hmm. and then setting the amp really bright. And then I never used the bridge pickup because I thought, man, it's just way too bright. But if you set your amp uh, to the... Um, to the bridge pickup and then when you uh i don't know i don't know how to describe it but to me yeah <clears throat> when you switch to your neck pickup it's not yeah well and so maybe the dude just needs to refigure how he's uh setting his amp mm. i don't know but for me now i use i mean i've i'm a more of a telly player back then i was more of a strap player more of a telly player now so you know i always set my amp to the uh bridge pickup right mm -hmm. so that's another thing to cons cons consider interesting yeah Thanks. did he um oh, oh yeah also remember the, the capacitance of cables absolutely yeah 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 there can be tone loss there absolutely it, it will br if you're using a really poor quality cable or a really long one yeah it will brighten things up to use a, a good quality and you know as short as you need yeah. It will brighten things up. Thanks, Justin. Eric, do strings need to align with the pole pieces, or is the magnetic field of a pickup strong enough for when your string spacing is wider than the pickup? Keep up the excellent work, you two, and have a great August. That's from Jonathan. Mm -hmm. uh, no, pole pieces don't need to line up exactly. And this is something that bothers a lot of people. They'll say, oh, my pole piece, they're not exactly perfect. Well, 
I know your OCD brain looks at it and says, this isn't perfect, but um, the magnetic field put off by those pole pieces isn't just like a laser beam shooting straight up. It's it's a field that comes out and around. Right. And so that, as long as the string is, you know, pretty close, then it's going to sound just fine. It's going to sound just fine. So don't get bent out of shape if if one of your pickups doesn't line up just perfectly. Thanks, Jonathan. Hey, Eric and Melissa, here's a head scratcher for you. A good friend of mine, Tor- Tone Gourmet, and Killer Player recently mentioned that he can hear a difference in the sound of a pickup depending on whether it's south top or north top polarity. <laughs> I know you rarely listen to a record and wonder if that pickup was filling the Eric doll line. And to me, a magnetic field is a magnetic field. So what do you think? Is there any chance that this is true, or could it just be that he tested two pickups that might have had similar readings, but other inductance due to a generally different magnetic field strength, etc.? Thought you might have fun with this one. Cheers. That's from Sebastian. Cool. Thanks, Sebastian. I mean, look, uh, he can't hear a difference. I'm sorry, because it's just (laughs) science, and there's no difference. So... Um, if, if we're talking about like polarity, which way, like which direction the electrons are flowing in the pickup Mm -hmm. or north versus south polarity on a pickup, it, you can't hear a difference. It's, that's, uh, I I don't know. How can I back this up? You just can't. You just can't hear a difference. There, there's, there is no difference. Yeah. And and um, I'll have to, I'll have to, th- I'll think about why a bit. Uh, you know, a, a better explanation for f- for why he just is not hearing a difference. But I'm one hundred percent convinced that no, he's not hearing a difference there. Well, wouldn't it be like eating an apple from the top down versus the bottom up? I mean. <clears throat> They're going to taste the I same. So. I, I'm trying to think of a an analogy. Well, the, if you could, if you could take like a sp- spectrum analyzing, uh, you know, piece of audio gear to create a wave, mm-hmm. right? Of this, of of the sound of that guitar string over the pickup, uh, and you would map it out, right? And what what you would see if it were north versus south polarity is on an, on one the wave is going to move up while the other one the wave is going to move down oh okay i but see but they're going to wave they're going to move perfectly in tandem with each other yeah and you're hearing the your ear is just hearing the wave and it's identical right huh yeah. interesting Anyway, anyhow. Thanks, Sebastian. What's up, guys? Really enjoy the podcast. On one of the latest episodes, the Copper Dan Electro, you mentioned using vinyl sealer as a sealer. Mm -hmm. You then said you use sealing before and after the color coat, but before the clear. Are you using vinyl sealer after the color, but before the clear? Is this on all color coats or just metallics? Just looking for a little clarification. Thanks. That's from Andy from Austin. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I do. I use sealer 
and I didn't used to, but I but this is something that I've discovered, um, and I probably could have discovered it a lot earlier if I'd read about how to paint properly. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm just it. It's it's uh everybody does things differently anyway. So yeah. maybe this isn't how everybody else does it. I don't know. I just have no idea. But yes, I use a sealer, then a color coat, then a sealer, and then lacquer, the clear coat over that. Whether it's a sunburst or a metallic finish or a butterscotch or a blonde, whatever it is, that's how I do it. And and uh, I've gotten better results since I started doing that. I think I started doing that a few years ago. I used to just seal and then color and then lacquer, but... The sealer over the <clears throat> um, over the color uh, helps me to get a more accurate uh, aging job on that finish. And one of the things that happens is as you as you sand through it, uh, if you're creating you know fake wear patterns on it, you can sand through the clear coat, which has amber in it, and then. Once you hit the uh, the sealer coat, you can see a color difference between the ambered part and the non-ambered part, where if you don't use a sealer, that color coat tends to just melt right into the lacquer coat, and there's no way to get a delineation. Huh. So if you go to sand through the clear and try to get some some raw color, where there's a wear, where there's, you know, yeah. where there's some wear. Um, it, and if you don't use the sealer, then you'll just go straight through the, the color. Oh, okay. So if you were making a non-aged guitar, <clears throat> do you think it would really matter? Well, I'm going to do it that way because uh, for, for additional reasons, one being it will naturally age how oh. I want it to. Yeah, that's true. The other reason is that um, it enables me to get one more quick little sanding in before I do the the uh, the clear coat. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And it just means a a more uniform clear coat with less wet sanding and buffing and all that jazz. So so yeah, I do. I use sealer before clear and after color and before color. So there you go. Cool. Yep. Hello, my name is Jason Wittig, Wittig, and I had a client bring in a guitar he wanted me to refret. When I saw the guitar, I asked how old it was, and he said it was only a year old. He bought it right from Fender, and he said that it was set up from the factory. Well, both single coil pickups were flush with the scratch plate, and the bridge was uh with with saddles were tilted back and forth. But the weirdest thing was it was only a year old he had worn almost the frets almost completely flat i was wondering if you've ever seen this before thank you for all you do love the podcast sincerely jason wittig of wittig custom guitars thanks jason yeah i've seen everything i mean here's the other here's the thing to keep in mind people say a lot of things and they just you know what you have to look at is the guitar and what the owner said about the guitar uh doesn't always <laughs> doesn't always have anything to do with what you're going to do the guitar 
Like the guy said, well, I bought it right from Fender, and it was set up from the factory. And uh, both both pickups were flush with the pit guard. Well, <clears throat> maybe. I mean, maybe he bought it that way, but I really don't think so, because I've never seen that. So probably what happened is, I mean, they they could have worked their own way down. It sounds like this guy is one heck of an, of an aggressive player, because he basically wore the frets out within a year. But, um, you know, I've... You get you run into this a lot. I'll have somebody bring me a guitar. I see this all the time. Somebody will bring me a guitar. They will say, I bought this new. I've had it a year. And I look at the serial number, and the guitar's five years old. And I'll say, are you sure? Because this is at least four or five years old. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, well, then it either sat in a store for, for four years... Or you've had it for five years and you just have no concept of time, <laughs> which is entirely possible. Yeah. So people say all kinds of things. I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. The main thing is the frets are worn out. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a fact. So it doesn't really matter what the dude said. Let's take a break. What do you say? Okay. I'm not even going <clears> to... <throat> I'm not even going to read this ad. Yeah, this is this is how we treat our advertisers. I'm not even gonna read I'm not even gonna read the ad. You know why? Why? Well, let me tell you why. I have here in front of me some really interesting This is important facts about coffee. Okay. This is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters in That's Waco, Texas. Very nice. Let's hear it. Apexcoffeeroasters.com. Get your coffee there. Uh Coffee is the world's second most traded commodity after oil. Wow. Yeah. It's the world's most popular beverage after water. I I prefer it to water. Yeah. For sure. Well, it's coffee flavored, which helps. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was interesting. Hawaii is the only American state that grows coffee. Did you know that? I would have guessed that, yeah. Really? It's it's the only U.S. state that has the climate for it. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and did you know that coffee is only about 500 years old? Is that true? Yes. Mm. Oh, come on. Look, mm. I'm looking at it right here. It's on the internet. Of course it's true. <laughs> it was discovered by a goat herder in Ethiopia in the 1500s. That recently. Yes. Hmm. And which is fascinating to me if you think about other, you know, popular beverages like wine or beer. Yeah. You know, fermented beverages. Yeah. Right. They're thousands of years old. Tens of thousands, probably. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, totally. Here's, here's something else. Did you know this? Coffee is a fruit. Yeah, I did know that. You did? Well, isn't it the seed? Well, a it's the pit of a berry. Which makes it a fruit. Yeah. Anyway, Apex Coffee Roasters, they scour the globe for the best coffee. And if you use our promo code, which is PINUP, P-I-N-U-P, then you can try, you can get 10% off the best coffee in the world. Give it a try. We've been using, um, what have we been drinking lately? I think we've had the, the Downshift blend. Yeah. And Oversteer blend. Yeah. Both excellent. Yep. 
It really is top-notch coffee. Give it a try. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com We'll be right back. Hey, guitar nerds. Visit MalcoLeather.com to check out a variety of made-to-order leather guitar straps, or you can email MalcoLeather at gmail.com for custom work. Every Melco guitar strap is designed and built by hand by me. Check out my Instagram at Melco Leather to see examples of my past work. And as an added bonus, I offer free shipping in the U.S. for orders over $35. Visit MelcoLeather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Do you have any idea what I do with my time? Let me tell you, it's consumed entirely by building custom guitars, repairing and restoring guitars, making custom guitar pickups. I make uh, replica black guard, uh, Bakelite pick guards. These are all available online. You can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. To see what's going on there, I've got a price chart. I've got, you know, pictures, examples of work. I've got a custom pickup order form. I would love to help you with your guitar repair or restoration or uh, just, you know, whatever you got in mind. Shoot me an email. Whatever. Give me a call. If you want to see the guitars I make, go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. That's P-I-N-U-P, like pinup girl. I always feel like I have to spell it. I probably don't. You uh, understand, I'm sure. Anyway, check it out, and uh, I'll see you there. Hi, Eric and Melissa. You guys and TAVA are the only thing getting us through the panpocalypse. Whoa. <laughs> Loved the Bollywood guitar you posted on Instagram. I had to have a panpocalypse when I uh, when I turned 40. You know, they, they recommend that now. I'm sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> Uh, I loved the Bollywood guitar you posted on Instagram. Could you talk a little bit about how you made that super cool bridge pickup? Thanks and stay well. That's from Lewis. Thanks, Lewis. Uh, so you saw that. So, you know, I was thinking about that guitar. So my friend and I, Terry Terrell, Terry is a, he's a, I don't know. I, you, I hesitate to use the word famous. Who's famous? What's famous? Yeah. Right? He's a well-known artist. He's a well-known artist in um in that world. He uh is is uh in the world of what you would call outsider art. Folk, I used to, folk I art? used to think it was folk art. I used to call it folk it's art, not but it's folk? not. He's he's it's called outsider art. I've never heard of that. Yeah. But I'm glad to know yeah. it. Uh and Terry, I met Terry in the early 2000s, and he used to just bring in guitars, you know, for me to set up and whatever, or assemble. You know, he'd bring me this basket of parts, really cool parts, like here's some cool Japanese gold foil pickups, and I want it on this body with this neck. And he was always covered in paint, like his he always had paint stains on his clothes. Mm-hmm. And he told me, yeah, I'm a, I'm a painter, you know, so I thought... Because I never saw his art, and he was just my friend Terry. We didn't, ne- we never talked about it, so I didn't know he was a well-known artist with amazing art. For like five years, I we were buddies, and I worked on his guitars. And I thought, I swear to God, I thought he was a house painter. Because <laughs> he told me he was a painter. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, sure, you're a painter. Your clothes are covered in paint. He didn't say I'm an artist. Right now. That I would have known immediately that he, right? Yeah. But if somebody tells you they're a painter and you're like, oh, cool, yeah. paint houses. I don't know. I mean, 
semantics, right? But right. anyway, uh, so I've known him for 20 years, and the first several years, I really, I had no idea that he was such a well-known artist. And once I realized that, I felt like an idiot, but um, his art is totally amazing, absolutely amazing. We've collaborated on a, a whole bunch of guitars. I own a few. He owns a, a lot of them, uh, and we've sold several. <clears throat> There's one on my website at pinupcustomguitars.com. Not for sale. Not for sale. It sold years ago, but... Um, that Bollywood guitar I posted on Instagram, I thought about that later after I posted it. And uh, if I remember right, when he gave that to me, see, this is terrible. When he gave that to me, he said, uh, don't like post this on the, on the internet or anything <laughs> like that, okay? And um, I, it must have slipped my mind because there it is. I posted it on Instagram. He made that for himself. It wasn't, he didn't, I don't think he felt like it was up to the standards of a piece that he would make to sell. Okay, yeah. You know, he just made it for himself, like spare time kind of thing. Yeah. Just a gratifying little self, you know, uh, project there. And I ended up with it when I moved from Seattle back to Idaho. Uh, he gave that to me as a gift, but... um there it is. It, and he called it the Bollywood guitar. I don't even know why. Yeah. It's just, it's got crazy images on it. And I guess it reminded him of, you know, Bollywood movies. I don't know. <clears throat> but the neck pickup is some weird Japanese pickup. The bridge pickup, he brought me an old cigarette tin mm -hmm. and said, could you, do you think you could put a pickup in this? And it's really thin. And I said, well, nothing you know off the shelf but i could make something yeah so i just made a pickup i don't even know i don't even remember because it's been so long it's been at least 10 years uh but i i think i just made a a really um short wide bobbin and wound it with 44 awg wire uh -huh. like what would be on a like a a gold foil, like a Tysco gold foil. So it's got kind of it's it's got that kind of sound to it. It's real, it's real airy and open and chimey, and uh, has that kind of. I don't even remember what I used for a magnet. I'd have to open it up. I just don't remember. It's been too long. I don't remember. It sounds cool. I put a five-way switch on there with my crazy wiring that I do, where there's. There's two different out-of-phase positions. One is truly out-of-phase, and the other one is out-of-phase, but one of the pickups uh, is run through a capacitor so that it chain it kind of decouples them a little bit and gives you a fuller tone than mm -hmm. just the true out-of-phase. But it still has that out-of-phase honk, that crazy tone uh -huh. that I love. So uh, it's a cool guitar. I love it. It's a great... I, I, I always pick it up and want to play slide on it. It's a fun little slide guitar, but it's a, it's built on a, I mean, he painted the body, um, but it's, it's an old sixties Japanese crazy guitar. I don't even know, like a Gaia tone or something crazy. Cool. Yeah. It's on my Instagram. It's, 
I don't know, several posts down yeah. now, I guess. But if you see a guitar with a crazy paint job, that's it. Yep. Hi, Eric and Melissa. Thanks for the great podcast. I've listened through all the episodes once, and I'm hearing them again now. I have a workshop where I build guitars under the brand Fret Climbers Guitars. No guitar, no kiss. The guitar I choose to focus on has a Paul Bigsby-inspired body mm-hmm. and, help me out here, Amal... I'm, I'm not following along, oh, sorry. so I don't know. Amal Fitano? Yeah. Something like that. P90 pickups? He sent a picture and uh, really a knockout. Nice work. Cool. Be- beautiful work. Yeah, like a Paul Bigsby-style body. Really cool. Uh, I have called this model the Farmer. I like that. Would really like to try a set of P90s from you on one of those. Question. Well, I used to be a farmer, so that would be good. Perfect. Uh, Question. If you were to select only your favorite parts for a T guitar project without having to consider things like price, delivery time, availability, and such, what would you choose? I'm thinking in particular of parts such as bridge, tuners, pots, and switches. What shape would you choose on the neck and what radius on the fingerboard and what size do you prefer on the frets? Many questions. Sorry. Thanks again for a great podcast. You are both amazing. That's from Martin from Norway. Wow, all the way from Norway. That's awesome. Thank you, Martin. I'll take these questions backwards here. What size do I prefer on frets? I typically prefer on my personal guitars vintage size frets. So that's 80 thousandths by 40 thousandths. 40 thousandths tall, 80 thousandths wide. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. Um, what shape do I would I choose for the neck? Uh, I like a soft V-neck. That's what I like. And uh, I like the vintage style radius, the seven and a quarter inch radius on my fingerboards, on my personal guitars. Um, and what parts would I choose? Well, you know, pretty much the same parts that I am use, already using. On the guitars I built, uh, CTS pots, CRL switches. I make my own pickups, and I've got them dialed in to where I like them. Uh, what else? Bridge this, tuners. Yeah, yeah tuners. Um, you know, most I find most customers that I make guitars for, they prefer the Cluson style looking, vintage style tuners um but there's a tuner i like better than that and that i would use on my personal guitar uh and it's made by goto and it's an open back and i think it's called se701 uh let me type that in and to a computer here and see se701 goto they're an open back tuner you know six in line but they just have a a tighter feel, a nice gear ratio. Yeah, SE seven oh one open gear six inline keys. Uh they're I think they're about a hundred hundred and fifteen bucks retail. But man, they don't get sloppy like those Cluson style ones do. Hmm. Yeah. Open back tuners get a bad rap. A high quality open back tuner is the best. The best. They get a bad rap because people um, see really cheap guitars with open back tuners and they assume, well, I guess guitars with open back tuners are cheap, right? Mm -hmm. 
But there's a big difference between those open back tuners they put on a child's guitar. Right. And a and a high end open back tuner, like a Waverly. Oh my god. Those are, I mean they're fabulous. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest difference for me is those tuners. Thanks, Martin. Hi, Eric. On a recent podcast, you were lamenting the fact that your vintage stock pinup girl water transfers were getting difficult to locate. Well, I might have found a source for high-quality reproductions. First, go to Jimmy DeResta's latest video on YouTube about his bandsaw collection. He's restoring a 1920s American bandsaw. He had uh, a guy... The, the internet is amazing. I know it is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He had a guy reproduce the American brand logo on water transfer. Uh-huh. If you fast forward to 20 minutes and 26 seconds in, you will see Jimmy putting the decal on. The guy who made the decal for, decals for Jimmy is on Facebook or Instagram. Check out Sellers Sign and Design. Uh, hope that helps. I don't play or repair guitars, but I really enjoy your show. I hope Melissa and the rest of the family are doing well and keeping healthy. That's from Stan in Canterbury, Connecticut. Thank you, Stan. I appreciate the tip. I am looking into having some reproduced. I have to be careful. I'm, I really need to make sure that I'm using artwork that is that I'm you know that is not uh, copyright protected, right? Yeah. You know, so I either need to create my own or alter whatever it is that I'm going to use enough that it becomes my own, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I'm looking into doing that. I, I just recently found a few little secret stashes of some, a few different guys who had vintage decals, and uh, so I'm back in decals maybe for another year. <laughs> but the time will come that yeah. I am going to have to do something different because... They're just getting harder and harder to find and more and more fragile. I mean, because I'm using decals, sometimes they're 50 years old. Oh, at least. Yeah. yeah. So it's tricky. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Hi, Eric. When setting up a bass, what, if anything, do you do differently than setting up a guitar? Hey. Thanks. That's from Gary. Hey, See, it's the bass episode. I know. I was just going to say that's what makes this the bass episode. Gary. You've inspired a special episode <laughs> of the Frat Files podcast. Uh, the answer to your question is uh, no. Next. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Gary, uh, I, it, sure, a little bit different because it's a, it's a different instrument. Um, the action typically will be higher uh-huh. than like an electric guitar, you know. Um, and, uh, of course there's, you know, things you don't think about, like maybe you do think about, I don't know, the nut slots have to be wider right? because the strings are wider, right? Right. They typically have a lot bigger frets than a guitar or at least jumbo frets. You know, a lot of basses do. Yeah. So, you know, it's nothing crazy out of the ordinary different that I do for guitar, guitars versus basses, but basses will typically have a little more relief in the neck. I mean, just a micron more relief in the neck. Yeah. Slightly higher action. And then that's really it. You know, you want to, they intonate the same way. You adjust the action the same way. 
you know, they're just four-string guitars with longer necks. So nothing super crazy different. Eric Daw, they're just four-string guitars with longer necks. There you go. Hi, guys. Eric, I saw the Stromberg Carlson PA amp you posted recently on Instagram. Would you mind telling the story behind it for podcast listeners? Sounds like an amazing find. Thanks. That's from Leon. Uh, Yeah, Leon. So, yeah, I posted that on Instagram, didn't I? He's been so excited about this thing. Yeah. I, well, so I... There's a there's an antique store here in my hometown called the Trackside Mall that I like to go to, and sometimes they have a guitar or something that I'm interested in there. I'm always looking for old cowboy boots there and whatever else. And I walk upstairs. It's three levels, three huge levels yep. full of antiques. I walk upstairs, and they have, I mean, I knew exactly what it was the second I saw it. It's an old PA head. Mm-hmm. Stromberg Carlson, probably from 1950 or so, 40 bucks, and it was just caked with dirt, just encrusted, like it had been left outside. Wow. I mean, it was in rough shape. You saw it. I don't think I it saw was, it when you brought it home. I saw it after you cleaned it up. It was real dirty. Yeah. It was real dirty. Oh, yeah, you took a nap while I cleaned it. I take a lot of naps. She does. It's true. Uh, and I got down and looked at it. It was on the floor. I got down and looked at it, and it said on the tag, it said, uh, auction, uh, livestock auction PA head. I thought, that's interesting. I wonder if that's from the stockyards. There's an an old stockyards here in, in town where they auction off livestock, right? Cattle and sheep and whatever. And I come from a family of, you know, farmers who had livestock. I mm-hmm. thought that's kind of cool. So I took it down to buy it, 40 bucks, which I thought was a steal. I mean, just the tubes in it are worth more than that. Yeah. Right? So I bought it, and she said, yeah, this is the PA that they used to announce the auctions at the stockyards. We're just right here, a couple blocks away from the antique store. And it dawned on me, I thought, this is cool, because my grandpa, Daw, who I don't have a whole lot of connections to, he died when I was young, I don't, like, own anything of his, or, yeah. um, you know, I have one old picture that I've been carrying around for for 30 years of him, it's pinned up in my shop. Yeah. Uh, he went to those livestock auctions, so he, and he bought livestock there. Yeah. And so he listened to the auctioneer on that PA. That's pretty That cool. was the PA they used since, like, you know, 1950. And uh, they only just recently closed down. Yep. It's getting torn down, and they're going to build a new police station there. What? Yeah, did you know that? I didn't know that's that. That's where the new Idaho Falls police Well, that's is huge. It's like oh, four dude, acres. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Anyhow... I thought it was cool because this is it's kind of a connection to my grandpa. Yeah. Well, and it's it's apart from that it's just a connection to our hometown. It, and in that's a very cool, cool way. In yeah. a really cool way. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to my aunt Janelle about this and uh, she used to go to the the livestock auctions with Grandpa Daw. Oh, really? Yeah. And she just remembered asking him, "Dad, why is that man 
singing that song about those sheep. <laughs> Pretty cool. Anyhow, it's my PA now, and I am going to replace a few little parts on it and use it as either a guitar or or harmonica mic amp, cool. whichever is going to sound better. Or maybe both. Or maybe both. Yeah, it's got three inputs. It's beautiful. Isn't it cool looking? It's so cool. It's super, I won't, it's like post-war industrial. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. I know. And art deco. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, totally. Really cool. Stromberg Carlson. I think it's a Model 33. It's on my uh, Instagram feed there, which is at Eric Dow Custom Guitars. I have one more email that came in after I printed these all off. Oh, okay. So I'm going to read it because it's really just a very self-serving. Oh, that's con- my favorite congratulatory uh, email that won't require much in the way of comments from me. Hello, Eric and Melissa. Just wanted to drop a line to say how absolutely amazing the Tele-style pickups you made for me are. Not only do they sound better than I could have imagined, but the attention you put into the aging process blew my mind. There you go. Thanks also to Melissa for the bonus Melco keychain and pick. You guys are top-notch. Thanks for everything that's from Isaac in Salt Lake City. Thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate everybody who listens and participates in the show. We just wouldn't be here without you. It's a fact. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, please do send in your questions. Questions and comments can be sent if you go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link. Send in your question or comment there. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Good night.